Welcome to the Sustainable Future Podcast. I'm your host, Annie. In this podcast, we investigate and discuss the latest topics in the environment through the mindsets of nonprofit founders, environmental activists, scientists, business leaders, and many others. Join me as I go behind the scenes with experts and rising stars who are leading advances in sustainability. Today on the Sustainable Future, I am so excited to welcome James Knopf, founder of The Farmling Project, a nonprofit that connects unsold food to, from farms to communities in need. James is also a student at Stanford University. Hi, James. Hi, Annie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and for hosting this podcast. Today, we're here to talk about food insecurity and food waste, as well as FarmLink. Before we dive in, can you first tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm James. I'm a youngest four from Los Angeles, California, uh, and I'm a would-be junior at Stanford um, and have been taking the, the quarter off um, working on FarmLink. Great. And can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to start the FarmLink project? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I think we all remember back in, what was it, end of March, mid-April, when we were sent home um, from university. Uh, and it kind of felt like the world was a little bit crumbling around you because in addition to the public health crisis that was going on, there was also an economic crisis. Um, and the way that that was playing out was millions of people who all of a sudden were out of work were flooding a charitable food system that was never really designed for a crisis. Um, so you had these mile long lines that were forming at food banks. And then at the same time that that was happening, the same time that you had these mile long lines, you had farmers who were forced to throw away billions of pounds of food because schools, hotels, and restaurants all of a sudden closed, their contracts dried up overnight and they didn't have time to shift supply. Um, so what we started the farmling project was just trying to answer kind of that question. You have too much food over here and you have too many people over here with not enough food. And how can we try to bridge the gap? Got it. So two very related problems. In fact, they can help one another if you try to find a way to link these two, as it seems that FarmLink has done. I'm curious if this problem existed before the pandemic. Yeah. So what's, I think, so interesting, and as we you know started to go, we really realized that this problem wasn't new. Um, and it's unlikely to go away after the pandemic. Um, but on a normal year uh, in the United States, we're wasting over one third of the food that we grow. So ultimately, one third of the food that we grow never ends up being eaten. Um, what that actually looks like is roughly 20 billion pounds a year being left on the farm, over 4 billion pounds in between farm and retail, just heading straight to the landfill. That's on a normal year. And so COVID has obviously made that problem a lot worse. Got it. So it already existed, but the pandemic exacerbated these issues. Yeah, I, I, exactly. And that's the, the thing that you, I think, keep hearing from like multiple industries is that the pandemic is, is exposing cracks in our system. Uh, and it's our job now that we see those cracks is how do we build back? Um, and how do we build resilience into these different systems? Since these issues existed before, how people have tried to address these issues in the past and um, how farming came about that idea, like really what is involved behind that idea of connecting those two problems that you mentioned together and really addressing issues in food insecurity and food waste? Yeah, I, those are two really good and 
really big questions that I feel like we, it could be a, a whole podcast uh, on of like what's been tried before. Um, the reality is we can, I, I think the easiest way to talk about it is what are the results of what's been tried before, um, which is that every year food waste is increasing, not decreasing. Uh, for the last 20 years, that's the case, which I think is surprising to most you'd think like as we're getting more efficient and more mechanized and et cetera, et cetera, that the overall food waste would be going down. Uh, and that's exactly the opposite of the case. Uh, then to, I think, your second question, which was, how did we ultimately land on the idea? Um, we didn't set out to build this grand thing to solve this grand problem. Uh, what we actually did uh, was took the really, really big problem and tried to make it really, really small, which was, hey, billions of pounds of food are going to waste. Millions of people are going hungry. How about what's going on with our local food bank? So they were experiencing the exact same problem. They had demand that had spiked uh, to unprecedented levels. Uh, and so we called them up to try to understand what their challenges were. And they're saying, hey, we don't have any eggs or we don't have you know, X produce. And so then that gave us kind of a clear task to accomplish, which was let's go find surplus of that produce and try to connect it to them. So what that looked like initially was literally calling hundreds of farmers. We ultimately found one that had surplus. At the time, we didn't have transportation. So we just rented a truck ourselves, drove to the farm, picked up, I think, 10,000 eggs and delivered it to the food bank. And that model, okay, we go, okay, there might be something here. And, and that's basically what we've expanded across the country. So it seems that FarmLink started off by recognizing a need and working slowly to see what there could be done in this space. And that naturally led to this growth. Yeah, exactly. It, it's definitely need first. Um, and being very you know, specific, like if we tried to tackle the whole problem and create this big solution, we would have failed. Uh, but we've just been taking incremental steps where, hey, we do it this for this food bank. What about this food bank? What about this you know, county? What about this state? What about this country? Like it's taking those kind of each step is feels pretty incremental and, and not that big of a jump. And then ultimately, when you look back to where we started versus where we are now, it does feel pretty big. That's amazing. Have you been interested in food-related issues since you were young, or does this connect to your studies at Stanford in any way? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of like, a, I guess, a little backstory is uh, before coming to um, Stanford, I took a year off. Um, and during that year, I was working mostly as like a freelance um, videographer, mostly with disaster response teams throughout uh, East Central Africa and the Middle East. Uh, on a lot of those trips, uh, malnutrition or famine, um, food insecurity on the kind of like levels that we don't really appreciate in the, we're not seeing necessarily in the US, um, that was really present. So it's always been something that's on my mind, um, but it also felt like a problem that was worlds away. And you kind of, that's the problem there. And then you go home and you go walk in the supermarket and there's every uh, type of produce you could imagine. Um, and so I really like a, not, not an understanding of what was kind of unfolding across our country. Um, and so ultimately when the pandemic hit and it again, exposes the cracks in the system and you all of a sudden are seeing, Hey, this is, this is like a huge problem here. It was like, Hey, we, we, we got to try to do something. Gotcha. So it started off sort of as you were able to see a lot of these issues in a global context during your gap year. And then back at home when the COVID pandemic hit, that's when 
you thought to take some kind of action. Exactly. Uh, it, it didn't even, yeah, I don't think you, like, many of us really appreciate, like, what hunger in America um, looks like. And it's kind of this shadow problem where you kind of think of hunger and you have this kind of stereotypical image of developing country um, and maybe the World Food Program or refugee camp or things like that. And not really realizing that hunger in America is oftentimes uh, your neighbor. It's your classmate. It's the person sitting next to you. Uh, who you would never realize uh, doesn't know where their next meal may come from. That's a great point. Now I want to go a little bit into the nuts and bolts of running FarmLink. So FarmLink is now has grown to become a massive nonprofit doing lots of great work in nationwide. And I want to ask you, as the leader of FarmLink, how do you run such a large nonprofit? That's a really good question. I think the answer is we don't, I don't know how to, and I'm just trying to figure it out. Uh, and the reality is we just have a really, really good team. Um, and I think a lot of part, it's like setting the context and then getting out of the way. So right now we have roughly 150 students working part to full time um, on the project. Um, and what that looks like is roughly moving about a million pounds a week across 48 states. Uh, and if we ever tried to do that with like necessarily like centralized planning, and this is how it's going to be, and you know, kind of each of these steps, it definitely would fail. Um, and so instead what we've taken is a much more decentralized, um, approach where it's kind of set the objectives and then let sub teams kind of figure out how they're going to accomplish it. Gotcha. And if there are 150 students, uh, I'm wondering how you're able to assemble such a large team. So for recruiting, um, we have not had an issue. It, the groups primarily started out as students from Stanford and Brown, um, and it's since grown to about 80 different universities. Uh, and we, we have probably a couple hundred people that are applying every quarter to, to join. And then um, based on interviews and stuff, we're, we take the people that we feel like really match with kind of our culture. Uh, and so recruiting hasn't been, been a problem. Uh, one of our initial challenges was figuring out, though, how do we organize from going from basically a group of friends working on a, a project into like an actual organization. Uh, and that still, it still is a challenge. Um, it's, it's a lot of people. And, and like I said, it's like, I think there's this typical model that, that people talk about of like, think of a company necessarily like, like an orchestra and like you're just a conductor and he knows each note that's going to go on and know when the flutes are going to hit and the violins are going to hit. That is not us. That's not at all what we're trying to do. We're taking the approach more like a jazz band where everyone knows what the objective is. And there's a lot of sub teams working on a lot of different parts. Um, and really like our leadership, like they're, it's not a hierarchy. They're not at the top. They're actually leadership is more like the trunk of a tree. And really what we're trying to do is, is guide um, these teams to actually like accomplish what, what they're setting out to do. So it's definitely, it's almost like flipping a little bit of like the typical organizational hierarchy. I love that jazz band analogy. And I think FarmLink's leadership philosophy is really unique and seems to have been responsible for a lot of FarmLink success. Now I'm curious as to um, what goes behind the scenes to make sure all the food is transported and also speaking about transportation, I'm wondering how FarmLink goes about 
like driving the trucks or organizing when and where to transport food? Yeah, so, so the behind the scenes operation of how FarmLink actually works um, is you have a team um, who is responsible for sourcing surplus. So they're calling farms, they're, they're doing everything they can to find the farms at the right time when they happen to have this surplus where they don't have a market for it. Uh, there's then another team, so once they find the surplus, uh, there's another team uh, known as like the food and security team where they're then looking based on this farm's location, based on the type of produce we have, we're going to look at where's the best possible place that we could send this that could have the biggest impact. Uh, and then there's another team that comes in, which is the deals team that actually does all the transportation. Um, so thankfully, FarmLink is no longer driving, having college students uh, drive trucks uh, on the freeway because that was not a lasting <laughs> a model. And we've partnered with Uber Freight. So they're handling all of our transportation across the country. Speaking of um, community partners, what kind of partnerships has FarmLink made? I recently saw um, uh, FarmLink working with Gordon Ramsay to Chipotle. And now I think you mentioned uh, Uber. And I would love to hear about um, like these partnerships. Yeah. So, so we've taken the approach uh, of we want anyone and, and everyone to join in this movement. And we're not going to do this alone to solve this problem. It's too big. It's going to take private sector, public sector, the government, other companies, other startups, all working together in concert to end this absurdity of billions of pounds of food going to waste and millions of people going hungry. Um, so we've partnered with people like Chipotle to you know, be on their roundup where every time you order a burrito, you can round up to the nearest dollar and that money goes to FarmLink. Uh, we've worked with Kroger um, along with IDEO and World Wildlife Fund um, to actually develop a technology that should allow what we're doing, kind of our core operation, to scale um, a lot more efficiently. And really, we've been taking the approach, anyone who's interested, whether that means you're a student or you're a professor or whoever it is, we kind of welcome you into the farming group and let's figure out how we can work on this problem together. I love the multidisciplinary approach that FarmLink is taking and working with people from all across private public sector to tackle these issues. And where is like the destination for a lot of the food that uh, FarmLink gathers? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the majority of food that we're collecting, we are sending to food banks. And that's because they have the best operation to say, take a truckload of bananas and mix it with a truckload of apples and uh, some squash that they had donated, maybe potatoes and things like that. But we've also, you know, been looking at things like if 39% of people who are food insecure don't go to the food bank because of the stigma that's around the food bank, are we really effectively fighting this problem? And so that's why we've been, we've been investing heavily in new modes of distribution, whether it's neighborhood pop-up farmers markets or distributing directly at schools um, so that students can actually take home things to their family. Uh, it's going to take, again, it's not going to be a one solution that fits all to really solve this problem. It's going to be probably a, a beautiful patchwork or a mosaic of different ways that we can reach um, these communities. That makes a lot of sense. And I think focusing on multiple modes of partnerships is the way to go. I recently saw the food fridges where people are setting up these refrigerators and streets and allowing people to take food when they need it. And I remember... Um, think someone saying that it's good if people take all the food because that's what um, the goal is. Yeah, yeah uh, those fridges are, are really interesting. I think uh, the first thing to note is 
they're not going to solve this problem. Uh, from like a scale perspective, it's not feasible like at all uh, to really fight food insecurity using these bridges. But as a messaging standpoint of saying, hey, we're not going to tolerate this problem anymore. We're not just going to you know, walk by and let it happen. I think it goes a long way. And every time that someone sees those community fridges, they think about this problem. And that effect is really important. That's, that's a multiplying effect. When you say enough is enough, we're not going to sit here and let all this food go to waste while all these people go to bed hungry. We're, you know, we'll do everything we can. And that, if I'm a restaurant owner, that means putting a fridge outside and putting my excess in that fridge so anyone can take it. It's, it's not an actual, it's not an effective solution to the problem, but it's an important way to get the word out um, that we're not just going to stand by uh, and let this happen. Definitely, definitely. Now going back to um, looking at back at FarmLink, what would you say are some of FarmLink's key accomplishments to date? I think so. We just, we just hit 20 million pounds of produce delivered across the country. Um, and that was definitely a, a milestone that our whole team had been driving toward. But the, the reality is, is that, you know, just counting the pounds, like I, I've become really numb to, to those statistics. Like, can you imagine what 20 million pounds of food looks like? Probably not. Like, how many people does that actually feed? And then how can I actually visualize that many people? Uh, those really haven't done it for me. And so almost when I think about milestones, I think about even just individual deliveries where it's, hey, we got this you know, for something like uh, Thanksgiving, for instance, where we decided we were going to deliver 1 million meals on Thanksgiving across the country. Uh, and actually like zeroing in on some of the communities that we were able to serve, even just going out to the distribution and seeing, hey, we serve 10,000 meals here. And it seems to me like an unimaginable amount when I'm looking at it. You know, it's an entire room full. And then to think that that's one one thousandth of what we did, you know, this day that's kind of how i've been thinking about accomplishments and I, the reality is we have so much more work to do and so we'll celebrate the little things along the way like 20 million pounds and 30 million pounds kind of kind of all these different things but the reality is, is that millions of people are still going hungry while billions of pounds of food are going to waste and the real accomplishment will be when that absurdity is no longer happening whether or not it's FarmLink that solves it or another organization or the government. Um, we're mission-driven on let's just execute on that problem and that's the day we're going to celebrate. That's super impressive. And I'm sure that achieve, aiming for that goal will help FarmLink get to those milestones along the way. What do you think has been some of the most challenging parts of leading FarmLink? That's a really uh, good question. Initially, the challenge was balancing FarmLink in school because I was still enrolled in the spring. Uh, and there honestly just wasn't that much balancing to even be done because FarmLink just became, hey, this is the most important thing that I can be working on at this moment in time. Um, and so I'm going to really give it my all. Um, I think now the biggest challenge, uh, maybe I'll, I'll break it down into to two ones. The, fir the first is from like a, a leadership perspective, um, which is that you know, it's not like I know anything more than I did just a year ago. Um, and so I think when you're kind of put in this position of leadership, there's an expectation that you have a lot of the answers to these things. Uh, and the reality is I don't. And it's 
trying to figure out how to be an effective leader for 150 people and make sure that every person's work on our team feels valued uh, and that everyone feels like they're a valued member on a winning team with an inspiring mission. Uh, that in itself is a full-time job and, and it's really hard It's really hard to do. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out. The second thing is just the scope of this problem is, is so big and now that we're kind of entering, I would say we went from like you know, cute solution to like thing that's actually helping to um, like, wow, you guys are actually making a difference in this to now we're like a legit player in this space um, and trying to figure out how we take this thing and, and really make it last. Um, because the reality is we don't want to be delivering food for the next, you know, three months. We actually want to address this problem in the long term. Um, and so how do we go from an organization that was set up as an emergency relief organization amid COVID-19 to an organization that's going to create lasting change in this country. That's been a real challenge to try to make that shift. And where do you see FarmLink playing a role in the future as a major player in attacking food insecurity and food waste even beyond the COVID-19 pandemic? Do you think that FarmLink should continue doing what it's doing, maybe modified strategy, or maybe just share what you think should be the vision for FarmLink in a few years? So that's something that we're kind of driving toward every day, which is we want to address this problem, that billions of pounds of food are going to waste while millions of people are going to bed hungry. What that means is that we're trying to set up a system to connect the billions of pounds of produce that would otherwise go to waste to feed people in need. Uh, and to actually do that, you know, there's all these different strategies. Um, and we don't want to rely on just donations to do that. So what are the ways through tax deductions, through maybe sending stuff to other secondary markets? Can we design an effective system um, to make the economics pencil out on this problem? Because if, if the economics already made sense, someone else would have already done this. Um, and so that's why we're really focused on building this actual system to, to connect these things. This waste is happening at thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of you know, micro points along the supply chain. And so building a technology piece that knows when something is going to be wasted and then how to route that um, to the nearest food bank, that's probably the long term of what we're focused on. Wow. So going beyond food transportation to developing like a tech platform that can identify sources of food waste and alert people when that might happen. Yeah. So, so this is like the, probably the, one of the main projects that we're currently working on. Um, and we're doing it in partnership with IDEO and the World Wildlife Fund, um, which is creating an effective system, uh, like a technology system to connect farms with excess, uh, with surplus to food banks and communities in need. Uh, it's a long journey and we have, you know, a lot to go, but we're hoping that this um, will, again, allow this to, the solution that we're doing essentially by hand right now with 100 college students um, to be scaled um, further than it already has been. That sounds like an absolutely amazing initiative. And um, if FarmLink does launch it sometime in the future, uh, I would love to use that. <laughs> Appreciate that, Amy. Yeah, so now kind of looking at the local level, how do you think that an ordinary person, maybe someone who is listening to this podcast or a young student who's interested about food insecurity, how can they help? Yeah, I think the you know, the first I'd say, oh, join FarmLink, apply to FarmLink, there's a place for you. Uh, and I will selflessly promote that. 
Um, because the reality is we need all the help we can get to actually solve this problem. Uh, I think kind of more of like a meta takeaway on what are the ways that, that you can help. I think it's like a realization that there's no act that's really too small uh, to actually take. We didn't set out to build this giant thing of farming. We set out to deliver, you know, one truck to our local food bank. Uh, and it's by just taking that first step that it's kind of a snowball effect. And so whether that means, you know, just helping right now, like your neighbor, uh, go get groceries, maybe elder and maybe more exposed to COVID-19, whether it means just going volunteering at your local food bank, whether it just means dropping off what, ex, you know, excess you have to your local food bank, there's no act that is really too small. And if everyone in this country has that same mentality and everyone does these small acts, it really, it adds up to something that actually can address this problem. That's some really great advice. Thank you, James. Well, it was so great to have you here today, James. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Emily. Have a great day.